Happy Tuesday to ya. It's Tuesday, so therefore, it's Muse Report Day. <laughs> My voice went out on that. <laughs> okay, I'm glad you guys tuned in this week on this week's episode of the podcast. We have Anthony Bolden. I sit down with Anthony Bolden. Anthony is the program director for the Partnership to Educate and Advance Kids, aka Peak in chicago illinois he's also the host of the emboldened podcast which you should definitely tune in if you want some upliftment and encouragement and just some darn good advice on life um but i really get into his story in this episode um we break down how he pretty much got to where he is today and honestly i'm gonna i'm gonna be quite honest with and upfront with you guys that's about half of the podcast episode we really get to break down his his story and there's so many relatable gems in there that i know that you will love and enjoy be able to grow from but i know i know some of you guys are busy you might be listening to this in your car on the way to work or uh you're you're doing some type of chore or something so if you really just want to get into the meat of what my questions were uh that starts around 27 minutes into the interview but i'm telling you you don't want to miss his story but i get it but if you do skip you got to go back and listen later or you will be missing out on a treat but we also get into the topics of mentorship uh waiting for your moment and growing your audience um in that second half of the interview which is also really good gold that you don't want to miss out on so you guys picked a good week to tune in if you don't tune in every week which you should because this podcast is amazing anyway Thank you guys for uh, your your kind DMs. I've been asking people to screenshot their phones when they're listening to the podcast. Just to show me that you're listening, that you're supporting, that you're enjoying it, and to share it with others. And you guys have been doing a good job of that. If you haven't done that, you need to get on it today. Also, those people who have been leaving ratings and reviews thank you so much for the five star ratings uh, and the kind reviews. If you haven't done that either. You need to do that today as well so people can see uh, what to expect from the podcast. Share it with somebody on your Instagram story. Tag us on it on Instagram. That's at the Muse Report Podcast. Or you can like us on Facebook as well. The same thing, the Muse Report Podcast. I would deeply appreciate it if you just spread the word that way and show me that you're listening. Show me that you're tuned in and getting this good information. So that's about all I have for you guys. From the front end, let's get into this episode and interview with Anthony Bolden. Here we go. Loading. It's a case study for success. Be teachable. What better way to learn than to just ask? The learning process becomes a journey. Turning dreams into realities. Part of execution is is totally believing whatever you're doing is going to work. What are your passions and what are your gifts? And that's where it really starts. Chances are for taking. Take a chance on yourself. Any and everyone is capable of being a leader. You're not going to have all the answers immediately. Wow. Mentors to, to expose you to things that you otherwise wouldn't know. It was all I thought about and dreamed like I, I would literally get up in the morning practice because I knew the opportunity the time would come. Just do it. 
just introduce yourself for people that may not know you who are listening um, and what you're currently doing. Yeah, so um, 27-year-old guy trying to figure it out. Currently, I am uh, a program manager for a local nonprofit in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, it's called PEAK, which stands for the Partnership to Educate and Advance Kids. Um, and pretty much what we do is we take inner city youth from the from Chicago's west and south side, uh, mainly Brighton Park neighborhood, North Lawndale, um, back of the yards, Humboldt Park. We take those kids from those very, very rough neighborhoods and we give them a full ride uh, scholarship to attend a private school called Holy Trinity High School in the wow. north side of Chicago. Um, it's a smaller high school in the city, only 350 students, about 75 students per class. Um, they get a full scholarship. It is not a academic scholarship in that we do not target students who are the cream of the crop. Better yet, we target students who are academically average, which means they come through the door with a C average, uh, with you know very average test scores. And then I think what, what we call like our special sauce is every student that we admit into the PEAK program and that is subsequently admitted into Holy Trinity High School is given a one-on-one -on -one mentor uh, to kind of walk through high school with them. So um, in a nutshell, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing um, on the professional front, you know. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if I answered the question. But <laughs> no, 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 you did for sure. And uh, on the nonprofit, like I just uh, I did a few interviews with uh, a nonprofit. Uh, it's a nonprofit staffing agency. So, like, mm -hmm. they yeah. staff for nonprofit organizations like the one that you work for. And, like, I actually yeah. had the uh, CEO and founder on the podcast. And, like, wow. she, like, opened up, like, a whole... I had no idea, like, the nonprofit sector was so, like, booming. Like, honestly, <laughs> I thought, like, maybe... I don't know. I just thought it was, like, all government-funded. Well, it is, but, like, I just didn't think that there was that much money in the system, to be honest. Yeah, bro, it's a, it's an untapped thing. Um, when I started looking into trying to find an opportunity with a nonprofit, I was really shocked at how many different type of nonprofits there are. Yeah. Of, like last, last, last week I went to this like networking thing um, in the city. And I mean, it was literally this guy who has been doing nonprofit work for years. He was like, I know everybody in the city. So why don't I just have like a little social function that they can meet each other because a lot of times what will happen is you'll have one nonprofit on this side of the city mm -hmm. one nonprofit over here one nonprofit over there and they're all doing bits and pieces of the same thing but needing to connect and um, he created that opportunity for us all to connect but one of the things that really shocked me was just how many ways you can really make a social impact in the world yeah. so you have people who are doing you know like I, I run an educational nonprofit, but then you have people who were like, I mean, their nonprofit organization was like mainly what business is. Um, but you don't think about it in that sense that it's a mm -hmm. nonprofit, um, but they're not using those funds to necessarily gain benefit as much as, you know, they're trying to help the next person. So I don't know. I thought it was so many, uh, my mind was blown. Um, so anybody who's listening, I would tell them, you know, if you're looking for something different, you know, no, yeah. nonprofit might be the way. It really yeah. opened my mind up too. I was like, wow, maybe I'll work for a nonprofit because uh, I'm really mission based. And that was something that they really are made to do. Like, that's what most nonprofits are made yeah. for. Um, yeah. Just a little bit. I mean, we kind of know what you're doing now. 
a little background of how you got to where you are now. So that could, I mean, start as young as childhood um, and like how you segued into the place that you are in the present. Yeah. Um, so my, my journey was a little rough in the beginning. Um, so grew up in a, uh, there's some trauma there growing up, uh, just with my parents, they were very young, um, and inexperienced, both coming from broken homes themselves. Um, so kind of went through that journey of back and forth from mom and dad and, and just kind of watching my parents mature as individuals was, was interesting to see. Um, and it definitely played both a negative and positive impact on me. Um, I made my own mistakes in grade school, um, and just kind of growing through teenage years. I, and I, you know, I was raised in the hood. So and many times it was like, you could be, um, a drug dealer, you could be a rapper. Um, like success wasn't like that high. You right. know, success yeah. was like, you could work for some job that might pay you $16 an hour. Like you was balling, <laughs> you know, drive you a 1993 Honda and get it souped up with some, you know, some rims and, and, a, and a good system or whatever. So yeah. it's like, you have to have this low standard of success. And, um, what I always tell people is like junior year in high school is such a, um, I don't know, monumental moment for me because I had this teacher who really became a mentor who saw potential in me and just started pouring in me. Um, but I also had a strong like church environment. I think that really played a strong part too. Church was very, very active with the young people and just didn't let us, I don't know, just get caught up too much. Even if we were intentionally trying to run away from them, from them they would be chasing us down right. with programs that, like, when we were young, I hated, like, Pathfinders and all these different things. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely played a major a major role. Like, And I see that now more as an adult than I did when I was a young person. So um, I go to – I ended up going to Oakwood University, um, and I remember kind of coming and being this outsider um, because my family – I mean, we, we, you know, we went to an Adventist church, but I was raised Baptist didn't really know a lot of people. And I always tell people, I was so shocked that when I came as a freshman, it seemed like everybody knew each other. And I was so confused <laughs> yeah, how everybody yeah. else knew each other, but I didn't know anybody. Um, so it was, it was different. And I kind of came with this chip on my shoulder feeling like I had to prove myself. Um, and I had to, you know, make people respect me. And um, I don't know. I think that definitely put a, a healthy amount of drive and grit and passion um, within me. So it caused for me to like really commit to the things that I was doing. Um, but I also think it was, it was playing a negative role because I kept trying to compare myself to other people mm. and compare my gifts with other people's gifts with, instead of appreciating um, what God had naturally put in me and what God was trying to do uh, with Anthony. Um, but yeah, while at Oakwood, I, I think I, I had an amazing experience. Um, I was there a lot longer than I should have been. I was there for six years came there studying theology, felt very impressed to study music. And I did that, um, had the opportunity to direct uh, this choir, the voice of triumph, which was very, very like, yeah. you know, I don't know, monumental to like for my, 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 my leadership growth, right. You know, managing your peers, is like one of the hardest things you can ever do because it's like, yeah, they're not going to respect you because of your title. They're going to respect you for what you do. And um, I used to always tell them, like, you know, people are not going to respect our choir based off of our title. You know, we were the underdogs on campus. I mean, we were very <laughs> terrible when I first got there. And um, 
And it was like my mission to really like grow this choir and like, you know, grow our sound. And I was like, we got to work harder than everyone else is working um, because we're working with less. Right. Uh, but that that not only played itself like with the choir, but I think it just played a part in my life. Um, so, yeah, the choir was monumental to me. Um, you said you came in a theology major? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My first year, I think I was uh, when I switched to music full time. Um I switched to music full time the spring of my sophomore year. Um, so, so coming, kinda, so like coming out of high school, you wanted to be a pastor. Yeah, like yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I was sixteen, and I started to get my life together, and I just got really heavily involved in my church. And you know, people, you know, you speak for one youth program, and everybody think oh, you should be a pastor. Yeah. You're right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I believed them because I mean I didn't know anything else. Um, the only two other careers that I was considering when I was in high school was like be a teacher, a music teacher, or uh, poli sci or something like that. So okay. I said, why not? You know. Um, so I went to Oak Cliff in theology, but God just had a different plan. And every time I was, I remember I took music appreciation. That's what kind of sparked it. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, Dr. Ferdinand and uh, Makita Hampton. They pulled me aside one day. Um, it was just like you know you should consider being. Um, you should consider, you know, being a music major. And I'm like, do you really think I could do? And they're like, yeah, I think you could, you know, you could do well. So making a long story short, I made that commitment. Um, it was tough because I I didn't really have music training. I mean, I yeah. could sing at church, but um, <laughs> that classical piece, I, I literally had to start from ground zero. But I'm glad I did it. Um, it really has helped me so much um, as a presenter, as a singer, as a preacher, um, because with music, you are learning how to be, how to present yourself, how to, how to, um, I don't know, like present yourself with confidence. It's all mm -hmm. about breathing and sound and emotion. And I've, I've seen myself use that in every single, um, genre of life. I found myself, all those skills that are, that I kind of garnered as a music major. So, um, yeah, I was. Working with Dr. Berg, uh, he came to Oakwood in 2012, and somebody said, hey, you should consider Anthony. Um, he might be good for the Oakwood Church as an intern. He asked me to intern, and honestly, he didn't know me from Adam, um, but we started building a relationship that just kind of took off. It really became like a father-son, nephew, uh, uncle-nephew type of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was very, like, Dr. Berg has been like a key figure because um, he's just been like that primary teacher and just how to how to how to be like a, a just a good professional, but also just how to do things right with a high standard of excellence. So um, he really impressed me to go to uh, Andrews. He kind of pushed me like you should do it. You can de you would definitely you know be a great pastor. So I go to Andrews and get another opportunity to direct another choir there. Um, it's the it was the only black choir on the campus, Deliverance Mass Choir. Um, an amazing choir. I mean, I always tell people I really enjoyed directing that choir um, because the person before me had done such a good job in just training them. Mm -hmm. So when I got there, taking all of that Oakwood skill when it comes to music and then just applying it to them, it was just, I mean, really directing them was easy. Outside of dealing with attitudes, that's normal and stuff right. like that. Like the music part, it was easy. Um, and one of the things I learned that I think was key while being at Andrews is that you have to you have to adjust um, and, 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 and adjust in a proactive way, not a reactive way. Um, 
because I was coming from like this HBCU culture of all black people, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this rich choral legacy um, where church was like, you know, in the South, we didn't have Bible Belt. So church is just a, a thing, you know, right. being churchy is almost trendy. Um, and then going up to Andrews and you're in the middle of Southwest Michigan, you're at the second most diverse school in the country, not just like Avenue school, but like every single school It's like Andrews is number two. And just having to adjust my thinking, my speaking, my approach to people, how I reach people, how I do ministry. Um, and that really helped me grow. Um, so, yeah, I think Dr. Bird was watching my progression uh, while I was at Oakwood and I mean, while I was at Andrews and an opportunity kind of opened up. Uh, pastor Williams was leaving and he needed a, a new pastor and he called me. He was like, I know you're halfway through Andrews, but would you consider becoming a full time pastor? That was I always tell people I didn't have a pastoral degree. My, yeah. my bachelor's degree was in music. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to. I was trying to add that up. I'm like, wait, <laughs> I'm still actually stuck on the part how you became an intern as a music as a music major. Yeah, uh, man. When I tell you I was blessed, like, so I this is what happened. I was leading uh, VLT, and Dr. Ferdinand and and Dr. Burr were in the process of getting ready for the Breath of Life. Revival, the fir- the very first one we had ever had mm-hmm. um, on the campus. And he was like, I know a kid, Dr. Ferdinand, I know this kid, he's kind of rough around the edges, but he could be good. He's like, because Ferd knew I, if he's told me, if he told me something, I would listen. Mm-hmm. So he was like, he's a little rough around the edges, but if, you know, he'll, he'll do it. He'll do a good job. So they called me in his, into the office and kind of talked to me about what I would need to do. And I said, sure. Um, now I ain't gonna lie. That was the rough, that was the most rough two weeks ever. Um, because I thought I was good until I started working with Dr. Bird. <laughs> I was not good. <laughs> but the role kind of just became like, you are the worship intern for Oakwood Church. And like, so I didn't really do any like, quote unquote, pastoral things. I just did all the music for church. Mm-hmm. I did Sabbath school. I did Wednesday night prayer meeting, all the music for church on Sabbath morning. Um, like I was the first person Dr. Bird ever allowed to do like a praise and worship song in church wow. at Oakwood Church. Um, all the AYs. And I mean, I got paid too. Like I was making good money. I don't say that to say like you should do ministry for money, but like it was also right. like a job. Right. Um, yeah. And he, you know, he took care of me. So um, that was that. And, and it's funny because that was the only light. Like he let me preach like one time before I left, but my preaching skills didn't really, really grow until I went to seminary. So it's like, that was the only light that he had seen me in. I mean, I brought, when I was at Andrews, I brought DMC down to sing one time, and it went really well. Um, I, it just went really well, right? And then we had this one opportunity where he did, this is like right around the Flint water crisis, mm-hmm. he did a big water drive with Breath of Life, and he mm-hmm. asked me to bring my choir from Andrews to Flint. I'm like, sure. So I took like 16 singers, and we went there, and it was like an interdenominational thing too. So there are people from all over the city, all different churches, and mm-hmm. I mean, we sang, and it was great. So the context that Dr. Burr has always known me in is being this music leader. Right. Um, so when he calls me and says, hey, I want you to be a pastor, I'm like, uh, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, my right. degree, I mean, I'm in seminary, but I'm still learning how to be a pastor. Right. He was like, Anthony, one thing I know is that um, pretty much I think he understood that like leading a choir, but being a leader in general, if you can understand like certain key like lessons or aspects about what leadership's all about, um, then I mean, it's really easily transferable. Um, 
And it was. I mean, when I became the youth pastor, youth and worship pastor at Oakwood Church, it it wasn't like hard transitioning because for me, it was like I had a love for people and that love was genuine. I had an appreciation for all styles of worship. Right. So Oak was mm-hmm. a more moderate conservative church. Mm-hmm. I grew up in that type of church. Obviously, being younger, I'm a little bit more liberal in my worship than um, the people who I was who I was pastoring. However, mm-hmm. my approach to them was more of I understand you and I am going to show you that I appreciate tradition outside of trying to kill tradition. Right. Right. And even those simple things, that simple nuance of being patient with change and knowing how to lead change. It's like I think part of what made me successful during my time at Oakwood. Now, there were definitely tons of learning lessons that I had to figure out. Even down to like grammar and my speech, you know, Dr. Bird would sit me down after church and be like, yo, that that subject verb didn't agree (laughs) or you need to slow down. You need to watch your pace or don't use these type of words. Did you see how I did this? Did you see how I did that? And um, I think it played to my strength because I'm such an observational leader. I mean, not observational leader, observational learner. Um, So he would just go and do it. And I would just watch, 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 and then just do right. uh, from from watching. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm at Oakwood, you know, trying to <laughs> land this plane. So I'm at Oakwood and it's going OK. Like I said, it was going well. I love people, but I just wasn't the passion wasn't there. Right. It was like you kind of have this dream while you're in seminary and while you're at Oakwood and all my friends were preachers. So you have this dream of like what being a pastor would be like. But yeah. there's a whole different reality. And pastors will tell you. Like it's being a pastor is not a walk in the park. It's a hard job. It's emotionally toiling. It's a lot of work. Um, And it wasn't that the work was killing me as much as it was like I knew that there was something more that I wanted to do. And I wanted God to help me identify that. So I started to struggle with that tension of like, what is next? And while enjoying what I'm doing Um, and literally without like not audibly, but I literally felt like God said it to me. Um, when I was asking him, what, what what do you want me to do? Where am I supposed to go? I heard, you know, go to Chicago. I want you to work for not for a nonprofit. I want you to go serve the people that, you know, serve the community that you come from. And that's kind of like what became like my my goal. Um, so I did a little short program at North Park University and got a, a grad certificate in nonprofit management. And then I just started applying to jobs and eventually uh, I ran upon peak and um, yeah, the rest is history. And and I'll say this too, cause I don't want to cheapen the experience. It was a long process. <laughs> it took a long time. <laughs> You're right. people, I listened to that uh, uh, <laughs> episode uh, on your podcast and I was like, wow. Like it was like what a year and eight months, a, year, a, year? And, a year and two months, a year, yeah. and, t- a year and two months. And I'm like, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I mean that honestly, in the grand scheme of things, as far as God making moves in your life, I guess it's yeah. actually not that long. But I know for me and for any other human being, that's a yeah. long time. Bro, so, that's a very long time. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, wow, that's it made me journey, think about it. Like <laughs> on that journey, you're like you, you're going to question yourself. Like yeah. anytime something doesn't happen within the time frame you think it should happen in, you right. automatically start thinking, is it me? Like, mm-hmm. is it my gifts? Am I am, am I making the wrong decision? Like, am I actually not skilled enough? When people weren't calling me back for 
like I thought I thought I had a nice resume, bro. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I, and, and I'm like, what 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 is happening? Yeah. Um, but I mean, sometimes God just allows you to go on these journeys that just really require faith. Um, but also I'm like, now that I'm here, I'm also realizing that like for God, it doesn't have to make sense. Like for us, we want it to make sense. We Mm -hmm. want it to be able to tell a story and connect the pieces, Mm -hmm. but like God, like that's not God's requirement. Like we made that up. Right. Yeah. And like, even throughout this whole process, I'm like, nah, God, it needs to make sense. So when I tell people, but like, I've been hearing him say to me lately, but what if it doesn't? Like, what if I do something next that don't make it like it don't make sense at all? Like, are you going to trust me and still do what I tell you to do? And I'm just like, dang, you're right. (laughs) Like, dang, you okay? Yeah. um, There actually you touched on so many points that I actually want to cover through that whole story. So as far as mentorship, you talked about uh, being an observational learner. And for me, like that's I'm a soup like literally every little thing that people people do people do is that right i don't know i don't yes. talk right sometimes i don't talk right sometimes <laughs> either. either man I just like, whatever. on the on the podcast i'd be saying all types of stuff anyway Listen, just get it how you live bro that's what i tell people <laughs> <laughs> but um that's really what i do and I, i've had the privilege of being in the aeolians for nearly four years um yeah. and just watching dr ferdinand has been like one of the biggest like passive mentorships I've ever had uh just watching him I had him on the podcast um he was just dropping like knowledge bombs all over the place um and just a lots of people for millennials the advice we get is to find a mentor and Mm -hmm. that process I've noticed um even though I've had lots of passive mentors I mean even watching Dr. Burr watching you it's funny it's funny you telling me the story now because Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of was watching in the yeah. background for all this time. And I would, I mean, I'm, I consider myself a pretty intuitive person, so I yeah. could kind of see little things and I'm like, ah, it's starting to click now. Things are making sense. Yeah. Um, I mean, I first heard about you even before I got to Oakwood cause I knew that you were the director of VOT, mm-hmm. um, in what, like 2014 or something like that. And, yeah. um, and then when I got to Oakwood, I think you left. And then I saw when you came back when Pastor Tucson, the whole, everything Mm -hmm. i was just watching it (laughs) um but as far as you had that mentor in uh dr ferdinand first and then he kind of passed you on to dr bird how twofold question kind of how do you go about finding the right mentor for you and also how do you approach trying to uh get that mentor i guess once you figure out who you want to work under or study yeah um, good question. I mean, I think the first the first one is actually the easiest or the easiest out of the two questions and it's the easiest to do. I think finding a mentor is almost like finding a friend. Um, so you got to be attracted to them. There's, there has to be something about them mm. that pulls you. Right. Um, it, so it can't just be they're smarter than me. So let me just, you know, flock under them like their personality their gifting has to really be magnetic to you almost to the point where it's like when you you're, you're watching them, like you're, you're watching to learn. So whether it's a passive or, or, or um, you know, a very direct, Hey, do this, do that, do this, that, do that. Um, I think that that has to be the starting piece. Don't, and I'll say this to anybody, don't try to choose somebody um, just based off of like accolades. I mean, because a mentor could be someone who, they might be your peer. Mm-hmm. Like 
you know, um, I know it's hard for us to think about it like that, but like you're really kind of looking to someone who who has had a life experiences that you can learn from. So it's not really about like longevity of life. It's about what they can add to you. So that that would be the way I would answer it first. Make sure it's somebody that you are attracted to. And I'm not talking about like looks. I'm saying like who they are, what they've been through, what they bring. It's like literally what you need. Mm -hmm. And when you know that, like, and I think God will tell you that in, in whatever way that he might, it might be in your gut, you know, it might be a gut feeling. It may be just every time they do something, you're just like really impressed. Like mm -hmm. those are signs of somebody that you might want to learn from because that's the whole point of mentorship, a mentorship. You want someone that will, will teach you or that you can learn from, um, and, and that'll make you better now finding or, or turning that relationship from passive to direct, if you would, I think that's. That's the harder part, right? Um, mm. Because some people are really, really, I don't know, afraid of this idea of being a mentor. Yeah, that's um, kind of what I sense. Yeah. <laughs> somebody asked my wife the other day to be, her, her, or if she would be their mentor. And she automatically, my wife automatically kind of got like, what? Like, yeah. what does that even mean? Like, I mean, kind of overthinking the relationship. But that's kind of how a lot of people approach it. It's like, I don't know. That's that seems like a lot of commitment. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would say the same way you would build a, a relationship with a special someone or even just like a platonic friend is probably the same way you want to try to build a relationship with your mentor. Like when I think about how me and Ferd actually became close, it wasn't really me. Like I never sat him down and said, Ferd, I want you to be my mentor. As much as he, I think he also, I think he noticed that like I was watching him and he saw the spark in my eye. He saw the, the passion and, and hunger to learn from him and him being just an amazing teacher. He was willing to teach you. He, he was willing to give me what I was looking for. And that relationship just continued to grow. Um, and, and so that's the way you got to approach it. it. It just has to happen naturally. I mean, and, and I think there's ways that you can begin to let someone know that you want what they have to offer. And that can literally be just simply starting a conversation. So whether it's like your professor after class, go talk to them or maybe go talk to them during their office hours. Like because literally like the mentoring comes in the relationship. Like mentoring is not like let me put on my mentoring hat. And now I'm about to throw a bunch of facts at you, write mm -hmm. them down and go home and do them. It's mm -hmm. more like let's walk through life together. Right. Yeah. And as we walk through life, you're going to notice things that I'm doing, or I may hear something from stories that you're telling me, and I'll give you some advice, or I may not give you advice, or I may do something that you like or dislike, and you will learn from that. So that I would say just build that relationship with them naturally. Go see them during office hours. Take them to coffee. Um, there's a person here in Chicago. I just got here, and God said, yo, you need a mentor while you're here. You still need one. Uh, my job, we have a consultant who works for my, my company and they were like, Anthony, you need to take them to coffee so you guys can just, you know, begin to build a relationship because you're going to work closely together. And he's not Adventist, you know, mm -hmm. um, he's a Catholic guy, uh, older than me, much older than me, took him out to some to get coffee. And we're just talking, just telling our stories. And literally, while I'm sitting there, I just feel that gut, like everything he's saying, I'm like, man. Yeah. Like, this is what I need to learn from, like, right here in this. And I just tell him, I'm like, I usually don't do this, but, like, I got to take you out the coffee again. And he was like, yeah, I would love to. And, like, the like 
three or four days ago, he just sent me an email. Hey, man, just checking on you, blah, 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 blah. Right. Now I already can see, like, all right, that relationship is sparking. He, mm-hmm. It's now, now it's reciprocal. Um, but it just kind of started with me, you know, just kind of stepping out of my comfort zone and saying, yo, I'm going to take you to coffee and let's just rap. Um, and I think you do that, you'll find yourself really building an amazing network, um, but also having some great people you can call on uh, that would be really, really beneficial to you in your journey. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good advice. Um, yeah, it just I feel like it just has to be organic. It really does. Yeah, it has to. Uh, so, okay, so you are kind of in the midst of a transition or recently just transitioned uh, to a new phase of your life. Uh, and lots of us, um, myself, and I know lots of people who are listening, we all have the same type of feelings a lot. Uh, we may feel like a tug to do something or uh, we might envision it somehow like but Mm -hmm. we're scared or we might care what people think about us or things like that how do you one combat maybe that fear or two know if it's the right move to make or if you're just you know i don't know maybe it's not maybe you're just dreaming i don't know uh yeah this is a hard one man um i'm gonna say a few things the first thing i'm gonna say is the most profound statement i've ever heard about like fear came from a friend of mine, uh, Richard Martin, who just dropped a book, by the way. Uh, I want to just throw that plug in okay. for Richard. Um, I think it's called like Steps Ordered or something like that, or Ordered Steps. That's what it's called, Ordered Steps. Uh, but yeah, Richard Martin came on my podcast, and he said something that just blew my mind. And to this day, it still sticks with me. He said, he said, you need not fear, and I'm paraphrasing, you need not fear about the future or how things will turn out in the future. He said, better yet, he was like, anytime you find yourself afraid of doing something new that you've never done before, know that what fear is trying to attempt make you feel like that, that insecurity, that, that vulnerability, it was like that fear, like it's not informed by anything. It's like, so I'm like, why? And he's like, because fear, like fear is trying to tell you to be afraid of something that fear itself has never even faced because you've Mm. never faced it before. So it's like, it's almost irrational. And you have to tell yourself that you are being irrational. You don't know if you're going to fail at starting a vlog. Why? Because you've never vlogged before. Mm. You just, we we never knew if we would be great podcasters. Nobody told, like, Mm -hmm. if we would have asked around, some people might've told us, no, like this (laughs) might not be for you. But now, guess what that's what we do and right. and people listen so we must like so there there has to be some success in that because somebody's getting something out of it um so that'll be my first thing like you never really know till you try and so and then the second piece to it is like don't allow yourself to be i don't know dis dissuaded if that if that's a word by like how you will be able to sustain it because in that you are like you're missing the whole point. Like, don't even think about like, what am I gonna do in season two? Like, nobody cares. Like, you, <laughs> right, all you yeah. need to focus on is how are you even gonna start? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, where I see people get like, like really kind of like lost in their planning and their dream is that they they're thinking about like ten years down the line, and they haven't even been successful with like just the simple stuff. Like, right. what are, what are the basic things? Did you, you need make to, an like, account yet? Like, <laughs> exactly yeah like, like what's your logo like do you have a theme like, right exactly like you gotta you gotta like the, the hardest thing that people struggle with is starting like mm-hmm. anybody can vision and talk 
like starting is the hardest thing. So like, don't allow yourself to be distracted by like, what am I going to do long, long, long term? Um, and then I don't know, like, I guess just more frankly, for me, I don't know, it's definitely something I'm still working on. I think when it comes to like, all right, so this is what I'll say. I have a huge, um, like, a huge level of like self-awareness. Mm-hmm. So I am a little fear adverse. So I'm never like gonna put myself in a situation where I don't think I'm going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't want people to like, oh yeah, Anthony, I do anything. No, I know myself. Right. And I do think that's important. Like, if you can't sing, <laughs> don't like quit your job to be a full-time singer. Like. Like, I mean, you know where your gifts are. Like, right, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's like, for me, it's like, I knew my gifting lied in, you know, being able to motivate people and talk to people and be relational. Now, obviously, there are things that I need to work on to be better at that. But I knew that there was some comfort, comfort there. There was some natural gifting there. So I started to build on, build on, build on that. So for me, I'm like, you got to employ some self-awareness anytime you're kind of trying to take a step. However, I also think that blind faith is needed too, right? Um, Because to be able to, as they say, do what you've never done or to get what you've never gotten, you have to do what you've never done, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Like that means sometimes you're just going to have to, you know, figure it out as you go. Yeah. Like, and and that's really what it is. You just got to figure it out as you go. And and figuring it out as you go to me, I think, is just the most beautiful way to live life. That's the, um, that's fun, right? <laughs> why not? You got one yeah. life. Um, many of the people who are listening to your podcast are probably in their twenties, and right now you don't have to have it all together. You've convinced yourself that you do. You've convinced yourself that like when you graduate, you gotta know what's next, but mm-hmm. you really don't. Like you 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 actually could take off a year right now from college and start a, that that next year and be pretty much in the same place you would be if you were doing, I mean, if you went straight through. Why? Because a lot of times, sometimes we put like more pressure on ourselves than we need to. And sometimes it's like better to just enjoy the moment and to learn from where you are right there than it is to like fig- try to make make yourself feel like you have to have this like grandmaster plan and you figured it all out at 21. Right. No, you didn't. Nobody did. Like nobody has. You know, I still feel like I'm just starting my journey. I turn 28 next month. Like wow. I'm getting old. I'm about to be 30 before I know it. Yeah, but it's you're like, still pretty young. <laughs> you know, just so I don't know. I just say to people like, I mean, allow yourself to breathe because in the grand scheme of things, uh, like Gary Vee says this all the time. If we all are living to be about 70, 80, 90, right? That's like the average somewhere between 70 and 90. Mm-hmm. And right now, many of us are between like 20 and 30. We haven't even lived 50% of our lives yet. All right. Which means like right now you could like ruin your life and start over at 30 go to school for four more years or go get a master's in two years and be able to start over and only be 32. Right. Yeah. When you, <laughs> when you really sit down and like, think about it, it's really irrational. It really is. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I'm really at that point in life about to graduate and stuff. Like all the questions are just coming like, Oh, what are you going to do? Blah, 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 blah. Even like things about my personal life and things like that, that have nothing to do with like anything. And I'm just like, honestly, it's gotten to a point where I have like these default things that I just say just to get people away. <laughs> no, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I'm just going to say this. Hopefully they're happy and satisfied with it. And I could go about just figuring out my own life. Yeah. Um, 
so like i know i'm not the only person that has to deal with that and like it's perfectly okay not to not know exactly what you want to do you don't have to have it all figured out like right now um and that's basically the success in the joy that i've had doing the podcast uh putting stuff out on facebook impacting people's lives even though it's pretty still pretty small to me i don't feel like i'm doing much but the little things that people do say it really does like mm-hmm. you know make me realize that i am doing something yeah. it really has been off of just impulse decisions like i know that i'm in the right space now yeah. like i can work within these parameters and anything within those parameters i almost have to just like not give myself time to think about it because I'm a very analytical person. I like to have things like worked out, planned, all mm-hmm. that stuff. And pretty much, I had to ditch that whole thing. Like I just had to just start going. And yeah, I mean, that's that's, that's how the podcast started. So, like, I kind of want to know how your story was. How did you go about starting your podcast? Why did you start it? What was the whole purpose behind it? Yeah, um, it's kind of similar to yours, to be honest, man. Um, so I made a decision to that I made a decision that I was going to actually leave my job in july of 2017 i think that was and um the first thing i started to do was researching just this field like mm-hmm. like nonprofit stuff but it really quickly transitioned from like you know trying to figure out like nonprofit youth development work to really just motivating myself every day and um, I remember seeing a friend that same weekend who put me on podcast. I wasn't listening to, t- to podcast before uh, uh, July 2017. And he uh, wow. downloaded this podcast app on my phone. And the first podcast, he I, I remember he put three podcasts on my phone. It was um, it was Pierre Quinn's Leading While Green, uh, the Catalyst podcast, um, and uh, what's the other guy? Um, Andy Stanley okay. uh, podcast. Those three I had. And I would listen to the Catalyst and the Andy Stanley's every day. That was good. But then I started listening to Pierre. And Pierre had just started his. He might have he might have been like two episodes in. And um, I knew Pierre. We had worked together before. I brought my choir to his church when he was in South Central. And um, he just was motivating me. And one day I was just driving to work. Um, and I just had that thought, like, what if I started my own podcast? Right. And um, I was like, I've always wanted to write a book, right? I'm like, I want to write a book. And my friends was like, Yo, you should start a podcast and just like let the podcast be like where you, you know, just throw out ideas for your book. Like it's like those are your chapters, if you would. And so I, I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to start a podcast. And and like even if five people listen, I'm just going to do it because I'm really doing it for me, for my mm-hmm. book. Yes. So, yeah, same. <laughs> you know, I'm like, OK, cool. Um, And I remember I kept saying I'm going to do it. I was like, oh, I need a mic. I need this. And eventually I was like, I kept putting out all these excuses. Right. Yeah, like. Yeah. Because now it's like, I remember I said I was going to do it. It might have been like September or something now. And then like, it was one random night in October. Like I was at home by myself. Um, it might have been like a Sunday. I think my my, my, my fiance at the time had just like left because she was living in Nashville. So she was visiting and she had just left. And I literally just went in my bathroom and sat down on the floor, turned on my iPhone and just started recording. That's like we're pretty like, much the same thing I did. <laughs> yeah, I just I just started recording. Like I had a title, I had a logo created. I just had no content. I didn't know what I was gonna talk about. And then like literally, I just started talking, mm-hmm. and I figured out my topic as I go. And most people don't know because I edited all the clippings out of it. But yeah. like I didn't even record it straight through. Like my first four episodes were like 
one minute of like talking and then stopping because like I don't I didn't know what I was gonna say next. Right. And then like I would kind of plug myself back in yeah, yeah. to it. Like I know exactly how <laughs> yeah. it goes. Yeah. So it's just like that's what I did. And like it was like that for the first four episodes. And eventually it just started naturally coming out of me. Where I didn't even need to write down notes. Like I had like three points in my head that I knew I wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. I would like go into my office at the church, like on Fridays when nobody was there, record the podcast, edit it, and then publish it. So I mean, it's not some glamorous story. It just started growing. Um, it really did. Like, I, I think I had, like, that first, like, people always say, oh, you start slow and then you grow. I don't think that's what happened. I think what well, for me, all my friends were, like, super excited that I started. So, like, the first, like, two episodes, I had, like, 100 listens or whatever. Dang, and I was like, you oh, were this killing is it right off the break. Yeah. I was like, yo, this is it. And then, like, after that, I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. And it's funny because this is how people are. They're going to. Like, people watch to see if you're serious. Like, mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. why it's important to be consistent. Like, you got to be consistent because you got to make people believe in you. You got to make people, be, like, feel like, nah, this journey is serious. Like, right. oh, he, he's serious. And that's what, that's what happened. Like, after the first um, after the first two episodes, it went down to, like, maybe, like, 30 a week. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what I told myself when I first started. Five will be enough. But, like, I, because I had that hundred, right. I thought, like, oh, man, I could way. do better, man. Yeah. yeah. So like I kept pushing and pushing and pushing. But honestly, that thing just started to grow naturally. And it wasn't until like I did this like right at the end of this past season, I did this like relationship. No, first it was the what's stopping us from being great. Mm-hmm. Like I just saw this weird boost. Like it was like I would average, I don't know, maybe like um, 70, 80 mm-hmm. a week. I was like, okay, I'm comfortable with that. Like, I knew who my core audience was, and I know how to build it. And then it just, like, jumped from, like, 70, 80 to, like, 150. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, okay, this is dope. Like, right. back to back to back, consistent. Every week, 150 plays. I'm like, okay, per episode. So then I started that, like, relationship goals thing, and it just... And I'm just like, what? I was shocked. However, as soon as I finished that series, that's when I got the job. And, like, I was just like... I got all this great success on the podcast, but like, if I can't keep up like that consistency, right? Mm-hmm. And I, then I'm gonna start putting out trash. So mm-hmm. I, I might as well just like press pause. And even since I've pressed pause, like I haven't recorded a new episode in almost two months, I still get like at least 200 a week. Mm-hmm. Like just people, just new people just coming and listening, which now is kind of making me like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do it again. But it also shows me like once you've put in work. And this is for anybody who's been doing something for a while. Once you've put in work, like eventually, like it's almost like when you go bodybuilding, right? You know how Mm -hmm. they say like when you lift weights, like you only have to lift weights for like 30 or 40 minutes, but your body is still working Mm -hmm. after the lifting has stopped. And like I think once you've really put in work in your craft, like eventually people are going to always kind of go back to what you've been doing because they're going to like there's going to be a reverberation of like that work that you've put in. So. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, towards the end of the podcast, I'll ask you a few more questions that are just like solely for me. I'm sorry, audience. <laughs> but yeah, I'll probably edit that out anyway. Um, if you had a billboard that was solely like you, you sponsored the billboard and you could tell the world anything that you wanted to say, what would you put on the billboard? You can do anything you want. That's one of the things that I've just had to accept. Like any little dream that I have for my life, I, I can it can actually become a, a, a reality. 
Um, and I used to didn't believe that until this like journey with the job. Like I just started to believe, I mean, I, it didn't look like it was going to work. It mm-hmm. really didn't, but I just never said it. I just never let the words come out of my mouth. I just kept speaking life. And now that's what I tell people all the time. I tell the kids that I met, like the, the kids that are in my mentor program, I tell them literally anything you want to do. In regard of like where you are academically, like I don't, I don't think any of those things are really deterrents of like whether you can be successful or not. Mm-hmm. It's like anything you want to do, you can do it. You just, you just gotta work for it. Certain things are just gonna require more work than others. Yeah. Boom! There it is. This week's episode of the Muse Report with Anthony Bolden. I know I learned so many things from this episode, things that I can apply right now. And I know that you did too. And um, if you enjoyed it, just let me know that you enjoyed it. Um, if you really enjoyed it, share it with somebody who you might think needs it, a friend, a colleague, a coworker, somebody that can use this information and apply it to their everyday lives. Uh, thank you guys for being just the great supporters that you are. I will talk to you guys next week. And also, I will put all of Anthony's contact and link information uh, so that you can connect with him in the show notes. Until next week, guys, keep turning your muse into reality every single day. Oh, that's the end of our MRP episode. Thank you for listening. Everything but it's time to go. We'll have a new one for you next week on the flip side. But until then, don't kill the vibe. Subscribe. Don't kill the vibe. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe. Don't kill the vibe. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe. Don't kill the vibe. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe. Don't kill the vibe. Make sure you go ahead and subscribe. Thank <laughs> you.